Hello and welcome to Confessions of an Aging Ingenue. I am your aging ingenue, Jenny Tooley. I'm so excited to have you here today. We are going to get started here in a minute, but first I want to extend a personal invitation to you to join us in the confessional Wednesday nights, first Wednesday of the month. Check it out at JennyTooley.com. You might even end up in the confessor seat. Okie dokie, here we go. I gotta tell you, I'm a bit tired right now because I just worked two jobs back to back and did some stock promoting and uh, it's late. And I normally wouldn't do this, but tomorrow's going to be kind of the same day, and I want to make sure that we get the podcast out on time. So I may be a little spacey this evening, which could be a lot of fun. Um, If you're new to the podcast, this is podcast. This is number four of Have I Told You About the Time. This is our episode four. And basically, this is just me in my living room in Austin with my iPhone, unedited, uncensored. And I got a couple kittens here, Toast and Sunny. They seem to be calming down, but if you hear little mews and screeching and me going, um, (laughs) that's just kittens, y'all. So, uh, upcoming events. Yes, we have... The premiere of my first feature film, Stuck, 20 Years in the Making, premiering at Women Texas Film Festival, August 18th, 5.30 p.m. at the Texas Theater in Oak Cliff. Yay! Super excited about that. Um, This weekend, which uh, is on July 28th, Sunday, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, I'm going to be online live with all my Patreon patrons. Yes, it's a coffee clatch, my very first one, coffee, tea, and me. We're just going to talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. So if you want to get in on that and you're not a Patreon member yet, you're probably already on the page right now, so subscribe now. Or if you're not on the page, you can go to patreon.com backslash Jenny Tooley, subscribe, and I'll see you online. I think we're also going to do one from the film festival, which should be a lot of fun, especially if I can find some other people to play with. So um, here we go. Episode four. Have I told you about the time that I was a writer, director, producer, editor, singer, songwriter? I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. (laughs) On a feature film. (laughs) Yes, I I was. I didn't intend to do that. On Stuck, I was actually all of those things. And it's been an interesting process for me to own that. I don't even want to talk about it right now because I feel like it's immodest for me to own all those things. Like nobody's allowed to do all of those things, right? Like that's egotistical. Like even making the credits, I had to talk to Jenny McGuire a couple of times because I was like, how do I credit this without it looking like my name is everywhere? She was like, honey, this is your film. Your name is going to be everywhere. And there are going to be places that your name isn't where, you know, your name kind of should be, but it can't be there. So don't worry about it. Just put your name in the basic places where it needs to go. So, yeah, Stuck uh, is my baby. And I'm 18 years old now, going to college. So how did I become all those things on this film? I did not intend to. 
I um, let's start with the writing portion of it. I wrote short stories, and um, when I was in college, and somehow this uh, screenplay popped out of me, and it just happened as a process, and I became very clear that this was going to be a screenplay. It wasn't a short story. I didn't have training writing screenplays, which is why my film is such a crazy mess. Um, But I, you know, as a professional actor, so I knew the basic format. Um, I had not really studied it, though. And uh, I wrote a screenplay. So that was my first screenplay I ever wrote. So when I wrote the screenplay, it became really clear to me that... A whole bunch of it was in my head, and it wasn't going to be on the paper. So when you get into auteur films or visionary films, you know, a lot of that really is in the filmmaker's brain, and it comes out during pre-production and production. It is not written down on the page. And I knew that nobody else was going to be able to make this film that I had in my head. So I decided I was going to have to learn how to be a director, and I did. If you listen to episode one, uh, you will hear all about the Las Vegas incident where we went out and shot one of the storylines of Stuck in 2005. That storyline no longer exists in the full-length feature film, but that's how I cut my teeth on being a film director. Yeah, that's a good story. If you haven't listened to episode one, you might want to give it a listen. It'll tell you all about uh, just jumping in there and doing stuff, even if you don't know how. Um, so that's how I learned to be a director. Um, I then, my ex-husband, he was my husband at the time. He was like, you know, you might want to try something shorter, uh, before you do the feature, even though we'd already done 20 minutes of the feature. And I said, you know, that's a good idea. And that's how I ended up making the safety of others. I, that's my short film that came out in 2005 that I wrote, directed, and edited. Um, and that's that was my second directing gig. And I was surrounded by great people. That's the key to doing something that you don't know how to do. Surround yourself with great people who know what they're doing and have humility and um, also make sure those people are respectful of you and others. That's that's my, my little tidbit for here. Um So that's how I became the director of Stuck. I always knew I was going to direct this movie. I didn't really direct much after that. So this is kind of my fourth thing to direct and my first feature. So that's the writer-director part. And then we get to the producer part. Well, as you may have heard in episode one and episode three... I really thought that somebody else was going to come along and produce this film for me. That there would always be somebody standing next to me who was going to take care of everything. I certainly didn't think I was going to raise money for it. Um, In the beginning, I didn't know I was going to produce it, but it became really clear to me as I got closer. Like, in the beginning, I mean in 2001... In 2015, I knew I was going to produce it, but I still really thought there was going to be somebody else there with me who was going to go with me through the whole process. And, you know, there were people who, there were a lot of people who came and showed up for pieces of it. But there was no one producer 
that was able to commit, you know, their life to making this movie, except for me. Which is why I took on God as my co-producer from the very beginning, because I knew I was going to need some serious help. And um, it wasn't going to come in the form of one single other human. (laughs) It was going to come in the form of a lot of serendipity, a lot of synchronicity, and a lot of human beings showing up at a lot of random times. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I learned to produce just by producing. I learned how to raise money by raising money. Um, I thought I definitely wanted there to be an on-set producer because I did not want to be going on that set as a director and a producer. It just takes up too much headspace to be an on-set producer. You have so much to do. We also didn't have um, experienced production managers, so I also was doing a lot of um, supervisory production management um, while directing and producing and acting. Um, and it was all fine. It all worked out fine. Um, the great thing about, I want to share one thing about my experience. Thank you, Sunny. Thank you. I see you. You're very cute. It's too bad you guys can't see him because he's adorable. Um, the one thing I did want to share about producing stock I was able to um, delegate. I'm sorry, there are a lot of ums tonight. I'm tired. (laughs) There were a lot of things that I was able to delegate to other people so that I didn't carry the full brunt of production. And one of those things that was important to me was that I was not opening and closing the set on any given day. There was always somebody there to open and shut down the set. And the most wonderful thing, I remember walking up to the King's X one morning, which is where we shot uh, Franny's bar scenes, Mimi's where Mimi works. And um, I had come in like 15 to 30 minutes later than the call time, the general crew call time. And it was like magic, like... There was, the trailer was already there, everybody was pulling up or was already there, you know, getting ready, makeup was setting up all their stuff, and the wardrobe was out, and actors were showing up, and it was like this great little carnival (laughs) or a little machine that was running itself, and there was, I just had this wonderful feeling when I walked on the set that day, and it happened a few times like that, where I was just like, oh... This is, uh, this is what I want to do. We're making a movie. This is so great. Um, so that's producer. That's how I became a producer. Uh, actor. I did not intend to be an actor on this movie. I certainly didn't intend to play the role of Franny. When I wrote the film, I was like 28 or 29, so I was much too young. And I still, I've always looked quite young. So at age 29, I was still playing like 19-year-olds, 19, 19 right? 20-year-olds, college students, not Franny. So when I wrote it, I loved her, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to get to play that role. No. Uh, well... When I shot the movie, you know, 2015 rolls around, and how old am I at that point? 43? So now it's all of a sudden I'm in the right age bracket. 
And I'm like, huh. And I always thought she was going to have red hair. You know, she's kind of a Reba girl. Um, but I started thinking about it. I was like, I really want to play this role, like that, that place in my heart where things are solid and clear was like, I want to play that role. But my head was like, you can't do that. Let me tell you why. You can't do that. One, that is way too prideful. Like for you to step into a leading role in your own movie, no, 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 that's not allowed, girl. Um, another thing was, well, I'm obviously, I'm not going to be as good as somebody else in the role. Oh my gosh. The next thing was, um, practically speaking, how are you going to direct and act? You can't do that. So you're gonna have to have some, you can't be a director and an actor. Plus it's your first film. This is crazy. Well, luckily I had Jenny McGuire and I called Jenny McGuire and I said, it was hard for me to say it out loud, but I said, Jenny, I want to play the role of Franny in this movie. And she's like, yeah. Totally. Do that. I love it. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> really? I love it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. All right. I can, I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to do that. And I had to get over like that hump in me that did not want to let me do that. It, it wanted me to be small and invisible and um, didn't want me to be able to do what I wanted to do, literally. I mean, that's simple. It's as simple as that. Um, so I played the role of Franny. And I thought that I was going to have a director come on. On the days that I was in front of the camera, that there would be a director that I respect and love behind the camera who could help me out, who could watch my performance and give me some, you know, help. Oh, man, I really thought that was going to happen, (laughs) y'all. Right up to the last minute when I got in front of the camera and was like, there's nobody behind the camera right now. Um, So I just had to trust that my performance was going to be good enough. And of course, we were only able to do a few takes of each thing, meaning we could only do each shot, each scene, however you want to think about it, a couple of times. Um, maybe three tops. So it wasn't like I was going to be able to go through and master this, but it would have been great to have somebody else's eye on me. Um, the other thing that was interesting was, you know, how do you balance all that? Like when you're the producer and the director and the actor and people would ask me, how did you do that? And I had to tell them, I honestly have no idea. It just happened. Like something internally guided me. I was able to turn my thinking brain off. You know, that one that worries and is all spinny and wants to think things through. And that every day that I stepped onto that set, that brain turned off and it was like pure focus. And I could go from being the producer to the director And then being in front of the camera, the camera's on and I'm Franny and the camera goes off and I'm like, okay, y'all, we need to do this and that and that and that and that and that and that. And And I literally remember one night, it was an overnight and I was sitting there going, I just want to be an actor right now. And for about 10 minutes, I let myself just be an actor and it became really clear to me that we were not moving forward. I was sitting in makeup and I was like, I just want to have my makeup done. I just want to rest here and have my makeup done. And my ears started listening and my eyes started watching. And I was like, it's three o'clock in the morning 
everybody is exhausted and we are not moving forward. So my producer just popped on and was like, okay, y'all, we need to do this, this, this and that and that and that. Okay, we got to move on. Um, you know, probably while Holly was curling my hair, that was happening. Um, so, yeah, interesting, interesting. And then, so as Franny, of course, Franny's a country singer and Franny has songs. And I, 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 the songs did not come about for 15 years. They were not in the script. They had never been written. Uh, we got into production. I thought, shoosh, I, ooh, something better happen here, right? It just says Franny sings a song. And I'm like, what is she singing? And I thought they were going to come from somewhere else. And they, they didn't. They came from me. Um, I was sitting in the bathtub one night and started singing. Um... Running ain't much helping. Running ain't much helping. Running ain't much helping anymore. Which sounded great coming off, you know, the the tiles and <laughs> the echoing. Um, and so I got my phone and I recorded that. And um, I pounded some of it out on the piano. And then Stephen Goodson and I sat down and we like sketched it all out. And then he took it to the studio and he filled it all out for me. Um, did almost all the instrumentals on there. Matt Tremble did drums. Then we took I took it over to Bruce and Bruce polished it all off and probably added a few other little bits of things, percussive things. And um, I did all the singing. So that's how I became a singer-songwriter. That is how I find it so bizarre. I am now a member of ASCAP, and I have two songs in the library. Ah, I mean, who does that? <laughs> um, I've always wanted to do that, but I was always so scared to do it. I, I was... I have like a whole episode about that that I'll do someday because it's just such a painful story about my what happened to me singing and how I had stopped singing for yeah, like decades and I never became I thought I was going to be a rock star singer or something which you know whatever but um like I didn't pursue that for a lot of reasons that got shoved down in my heart. And I was given an opportunity in boyhood to sing that scared the crap out of me. I'll tell you that story later. And then I think that helped me be able to do to do Franny and it scared it scared me the whole time. Even when I went to do the final tracks with Bruce, who I've known for decades. I was like, "Man, I'm feeling nervous about it. And he was like, hey, Jenny, don't worry about it. There's nothing here but love. And I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, it's all good. I don't have to worry, you know. Um, so that's how I became a singer-songwriter. Yeah, so uh, just one step at a time, just taking on, oh, my God, I didn't even talk about the editor part. Good grief. And we're already like, what, how many, 30 minutes in, it seems like? Yeah. So I also edited Stuck. How did that come about? Well, I couldn't find an editor. (laughs) 
I couldn't find an editor. I taught myself to edit on the safety of others. And I edited a couple of other things between 2005 and 20, where was it, 2017. But I thought, no way can I edit this movie. I can't edit a feature. This is going to be a complicated editing job. Somebody who's really good at it needs to do it. So I'm looking around. I have this tiny, tiny budget. Nobody's coming to the table. And I'm like, okay, okay, what I can do is I can get the rough cut going. You know, I'll get the rough going. That way, it's just going to be a polished job. Somebody's going to do the finishing edit. They're going to make it all sweet. And yeah, that person did not show up. That person turned into me. And it took, I want to say, months for me to accept the fact that I was going to be the finishing editor on the film. Why? Once again, my brain was tricking me into believing that I couldn't do something that I absolutely had the ability to do. This is something I've been working on for the last year. I have a blind spot when it comes to my assets and my abilities. I cannot see them. And even when I do see them or somebody points them out to me, my brain will very quickly shut them back down and tell me I can't do those things or make me forget about it. Like, I think right now I'm, I'm even like, yeah, if somebody asked me to edit their film, I'd probably do it, honestly. But, <laughs> but there would be that thing. There would be a moment in my brain where it'd be like, um, no, you're not good enough for that. You're not a good enough editor. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know Final Cut inside and out. You taught yourself. You're self-taught. You don't do this on a daily basis. Every reason in the world why I couldn't edit something. Oh, it's exhausting, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I edited Stuck, and I've had some of the most wonderful people who I respect tell me what a great editing job it is. Somebody I hadn't seen in decades came to the work in progress. He's an editor. Stephen Baker. Hello, Stephen Baker. Who basically, you know stopped to tell me afterwards what a beautiful editing job I had done. It's an intricate editing job. It is, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense, (laughs) but I was able to do it. And, um, I'm grateful for that because nobody else could have edited that film. Yeah. Just like nobody could have directed it. So yeah, this is my baby. And um, I've had Jenny McGuire telling me that for the last few weeks to, to let me know, you know, it's your baby, girl. Take it out there into the world. Had a lot of people help you with it. I mean, amazing freaking people. I have consulting producers in Laurel and Jenny. Rachel helped with the associate producing um during the production and during pre-production like i've had some amazing supportive wonderful people but in the end it it's me and i'm having a hard time owning that i guess that might be what i need to say to you today having a hard time owning that so if you ever have a hard time owning something give me a call (laughs) 
Give me a call. Text me. PM me. Email me. Whatever. Yeah. Well, I hope that you all are doing well. This is episode four. Have I told you about the time that I was a writer, director, producer, editor, actor, singer, and songwriter on a feature film? (laughs) I love you guys. Until next time. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm Jenny Tooley, your host. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about today's episode, so please comment, review, follow, subscribe, all those things that keep our podcast thriving. Until next time.